Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. On the heels of our last two episodes around strengths, Cam and I wanted to talk about a related topic, and that is the topic of accessing resources with ADHD. And the reason we see this as related to the conversation around strengths is it's really difficult for those of us with ADHD to see and tap into the many resources available to us. And it's even more difficult when we're in sort of that place of weakness, that place of everything's my fault, I'm accepting the blame, so I have to fix it myself. So based on the two examples from our last two episodes of clients that kind of shifted out of that perspective and into a more realistic view of themselves, including what their strengths are and how they can tap those, we now kind of want to talk about the resources that came into play in those situations and tapping resources in general with ADHD. Cam, do you want to say more about that? Uh, Yes, Shelly, I do. And it can be sort of this place of weakness. Again, it can be a a, a state of weakness or just a state of overwhelm. Yeah, that too. When we have ADHD, we, we can be in this place of not knowing which way is up. Yeah. Or constantly feeling behind, right? Like I just have to catch up before I can do anything else. I just have to catch up, have to catch up. Right. We've talked about the adrenaline response cycle. We've talked about this being wired for urgency and responding to situations. And it's like, got to put out this fire first before I can really tap into my strengths, before I can really access these resources that people tell me about that are out there. So I think that this is a great topic today to look at accessing resources. And on the heels of the last episodes with Rosemary and Sally and how they really tapped into strengths and and utilized more resources. Yeah. So Cam, why don't we start by talking about what we mean by the word resources, because I imagine that what you and I have in mind is a little different than what our listeners are thinking of when we say the word resources. Sure. So I think a picture could be very helpful here, Shelley, you know, that that our listeners are familiar with the fact that we like to utilize models. And I think that one of our models that we've been using in our coaching for years I've been using it in my training for, gosh, probably 10 years now, is this rope bridge model. And so listeners, if you have a piece of paper, go ahead and pull it out and um, just go ahead and draw a rope bridge across a chasm, a ravine. You can put a raging river in the bottom or sharp rocks down there and tether that rope bridge to two outcrops, two cliffs. Real simple. And put a stick figure on the left side. That's you looking across the other side. And this is where our clients typically come when they when they come to coaching, they are here looking at the other side and frustrated with trying to get to the other side. And this is uniquely ADHD. This is about that universal question we've talked about of why I don't do what I know I ought to do. Absolutely. And so here we are and uh, we, our, our clients come and, and what the, the ask is, 
Cam, Shelly, help me get across to the other side. Help me take action on the stuff I know I need to take action on. And so their focus is on the other side. Their focus is on the challenge below. And their focus is on the stuff that they're not doing, the actions that they're not taking, which is the actual rope bridge activity. So where, how, do, how do resources fit into this? Resources fit into this is that resources is the area that our clients are often not looking because they're directly underfoot. It is this left outcrop or embankment or cliff that you're standing on. These are your resources. And again, it's sort of, they're down there. We're not looking there. We're not thinking about resources to be successful, especially where when, where, when excuse me, we're in that urgent state or an overwhelmed state or a less than state. I'm not deserving of help. I'm not sure what help even looks like. All I know is I'm behind and, and I need to get into gear. So our focus or our attention is on these other three areas, the challenges we have to overcome, the place where we want to get to, and the actual activities that are not happening. Yeah, I think that's a great description. And going back to our last couple of episodes, I think we can also look at when resources aren't available in a certain place. And I'm thinking about Sally in particular and her decision to change her working situation because part of our distinguishing work was recognizing that even if we did our work in coaching of managing her stuff and her ADHD, the supportive people and supportive environment was not there in that particular work situation. And it was not possible for it to change. There was no opening there for her to communicate with other people in the hopes of changing the situation and creating a more supportive environment. And that is work I do with my clients often when it comes to workplace situations is first distinguishing what's your stuff and what's not. And then for the stuff that's not, is there an opening for change there or not? The thing I like to say about the rope bridge metaphor is that a rope bridge is only as strong as its anchor points. And um, when we imagine a rope bridge, they can run the gamut in the sense that they can be kind of uh, run down and tattered and not anchored well. And it's kind of sketchy to try to get across that to the other side. There's also some rope bridges out there. I mean, I'm, I'm recalling one on a trip to Canada in a provincial park that was like, I could have driven a truck across it. Right? And it was just a hiking trail rope bridge, but it had cable and it had these, these beautiful monumental like granite anchors on either side. You know, the, the thing was not going anywhere. And so it was, it was like a, a regular bridge, super solid. And so we tend to look at the, all the activity we're not doing, the actual rope bridge and the actions. And if you step back and start to consider these two anchor points, the positive outcome on the other side, but also the resources that we can utilize to get there. And so as you start to think about resources, I think that another thing we do is we often think of, when we think of a resource, we think of a tool. We think of a strategy, we think of a system. Because we know, right, as people come to us, they 
will often say, well, I'm sure you have a tool for me to be successful. Yeah, or a right? system. Right. And that's, a, that's their thinking that this is what we're going to do is I'm going to give them a tool and then they're going to go be successful. And so a tool or a system is a resource, but it's only one resource of, of many. And so I think that if we start to sort of share some of the other resources that are out there and to start to consider what they can be, then you can sort of determine what are the specific resources that I can utilize to navigate this rope bridge to this specific outcome to overcome these specific challenges. Absolutely. And I think we can start with one that, again, ties back to our example with Sally last week, and that is supportive people. So what we didn't talk about with Sally is what happened after she made a shift. Well, she is in a situation now where her supervisor is a supportive person, is a person that she can communicate openly with, that she can share her strengths and challenges with, that she can express concern if something falls into an area of weakness for her, and that she can sort of adjust expectations alongside so that she's not feeling like I'm behind and I don't know what to do and I don't really know what my role is. But instead, she knows what her role is. She knows what her things are to work on. And she has someone to go to for constructive feedback in those areas as she is working on her own stuff and striving to be more successful in this role. So that's one example of a supportive person. But there are many others. My spouse and my business partner are my two crucial supportive people in everything that I do. And the support that they provide to me is very different because they are different people. And what is important to us mutually for each of them is different. So my husband is very supportive in terms of household things and keeping our house running and supporting my business in the ways that are appropriate for him to do so and that play into his strengths, generally by sort of picking up the slack in other areas when I need him to, when I'm traveling to speak and things like that. And my business partner is a huge support in both in terms of accountability and in terms of each of us doing in the business what our strengths are. And here in the podcast, Cam, you and I are supportive people to each other. We've talked before about our early conversations around what are your strengths? What are my strengths? What do we see our roles as? And we were able to delineate that and provide support to each other in those areas. So it's not like I'm in my silo as the editor and the person that posts on the website. You're behind me checking in on those things and giving me feedback and giving me support when it gets difficult to do. And our mutual interest makes it easier for me when I don't feel like sitting down to edit next week's episode and get it out to find that motivation and that deeper reason to do it. Because it doesn't just affect me, it affects us both, and we're both invested. Right. And so your success there in tapping those resources and those supportive people is determining the specific support that they provide. And this is where, yeah, this is where those of us with ADHD can make a mistake or just sort of, again, with black and white thinking, 
sort of all or nothing thinking is we, we look for kind of a support in generalities or like just big, broad support. And then people are either unable to do that or we expect more from somebody. We expect too much from this resource. And so determining how this individual might support you. This is two things. This is about boundary management, number one. Number two, it's distinguishing and determining how they can be a resource in what specific way. And that takes work, right? That takes work. That, that takes, for you and I, we had some ideas of how we would be working with each other. But it's really also been through our practice, right, of you and I walking across the rope bridge, you know, with, with 21 episodes now, you know, and sort of refining that resource in each other. Absolutely. And there's also translating work here, even among you and I, who both have ADHD, because it's about that ability to understand and own your experience to the point that you can articulate it to others in a way that you know what your strengths and challenges are. You know what you will and won't do, what you can and cannot do, and you know what you need to be successful. And that is the biggest piece, I think, in terms of those core supportive people is translating and also hearing them out and hearing what their strengths and challenges are. My husband and business partner are both neurotypicals and their brains are wired very differently from mine. And it's kind of a dance over time, as you said, of walking that rope bridge together and adjusting and pivoting as things change and as we learn and grow from the experiences that we've had. I think also, as we talk about supportive people and accessing resources, it's also identifying those people who are not necessarily supportive. Yes, and that goes right back to Sally's previous work situation. There was no opportunity there for her supervisor to become a supportive person. And there are going to be people like that, that you have to interact with, whether you are traditionally employed or self-employed, that are simply not going to be a resource for you. And being able to recognize that and recognize that that's not your thing to own. Their rigidness or inability to be self-aware is not your thing to own. And that falls under ownership. Yes, I have these challenges. No, this person won't be supportive in that. But I don't have to own their rigidness and their inability to work with me to my strengths. Or I don't have to have them like me or I have to convince them of my value Yeah, in order for me to provide value in this position. I think that, I think that, you know, a lot of people will be like, you know, boy, really, I, you know, they don't appreciate me. So I'm going to put all my effort into having them appreciate me or like me or get behind my initiative when in fact it may never happen. And it, and it might be, you know, it's not that it's personal. It's just, they have their thoughts. They have their preferences. They have their opinions. And it's to, you know, basically fish or, or, or cut bait. And there's a time when we need to cut bait and to say, listen, this person will not be a resource and I need to protect myself against that negativity because 
when we talk about wired for context, I don't care if you're an introvert or you're an extrovert. If you have ADHD, you have access to this associative processor where you're connected to your world around you. We sense how uh, these incoming stimuli, and if you've got a person you don't have a good relationship with, and they're in the proximity in your sphere, they're going to have an impact on your ability to do a good job. They're going to have an impact on your basic brain functioning, right? Of getting through the day, of staying focused on task and not being distracted by this. And so, you know, as we talk about resources here and supportive people, and next, I think we should talk about supportive environments is to identify those people and environments that are not supportive and not try to just like, you know, at all costs, try to win them over. I think that that was, we talked about Rosemary two weeks ago, and that was her MO is like, I've got to win over everybody. I've got to be successful everywhere. And that was just, that was a, that was a physics problem that was not possible. She didn't have enough fuel in the tank to take care of all of those relationships, all of those demands. And she would come home depleted and then be in this vulnerable place. Yeah. And since we are wired for context, the other thing that can happen here is when our ideas or thoughts or opinions are rejected or dismissed mm -hmm. or not heard by non-supportive people, we can internalize that and take it as a value judgment and let it affect our perception of our value. I actually just had a session with a client yesterday where we were talking about value and her value. And she realized that that is what she was doing. When in the situation she's in now, when her opinions weren't heard or weren't listened to, she took that as a dismissal of her value or a judgment of her non-value. And so we spent the bulk of the session sort of stepping out and beginning to distinguish what really is value to you. And value and, and sense of value, that is a resource. That is, you know, a part of this, in our metaphor of the rope bridge and this large outcrop, that is your sense of self, which we did an episode early on about knowing yourself, knowing who you are, knowing your strengths, knowing your value of how do you contribute consistently, that that's significant. And that when people reject an idea, it's not necessarily a rejection of who we are or the value we bring to the table. Yeah, so this falls into another resource of self-knowledge, knowing yourself. This is all within our understand, own, translate model. When you know yourself on that level, then things like not supportive people or rejection of a single idea, even from a supportive person, don't have that same deep resounding effect that colors our perception of self that it used to. Because we're able to distinguish, because we understand our own and own our own experience. So as we're thinking about these and naming these, 
self-knowledge and supportive environments and supportive people. It just, it reminds me of a tool that we introduced in, in episode five called essential structures. And so if you want to dig in here, then go back to episode five, if you haven't listened to it already. And there's a great tool there called essential structures. And that's what we're referencing in part here today, listener. Yeah. So essential structures is just in a nutshell about creating a life that fits, which is what we as coaches strive to do for our clients is help them create a life that fits. And each area in essential structures is essentially what we are naming as a resource. So I will put essential structures in the show notes for this week's episode, but you can also go back and listen to episode five if you want a more detailed breakdown of that model and how we use it. So I think that it would be helpful right now, Shelley, if we went through a little scenario, right? Because I imagine a listener might be thinking, okay, so, so how do I, how do I access resources? I think taking a look at essential structures as a prompt is a good idea. But starting to think about this rope bridge metaphor and using this exercise to start with this, okay, there's an activity that you would like to have happen. Some kind of project, it may be stalled out, hearkening back to the episodes around time and the universal ADHD question of why do I not do what I know I ought to do? I remember, I recall that we asked you to think about a task that maybe you're sitting on. It's been at the top of your list, and yet you're not getting traction on it. So to think about that action and to think about a successful outcome. What is a successful outcome for that project? What is the next action? What is the next action that would move the ball forward with respect to that specific project? And to start to think about that and write it down on the far side of the rope bridge, that outcome. And even here's another exercise that I I encourage. And this is related to the accountability work that I've done with Casey Moore. And we actually wrote a book called Curious Accountability. And it's to stand on the other side, to, to actually step into that perspective of, I'm done. I've I finished this task. And I'm standing on the other side of the rope bridge and I'm looking back on what I've accomplished and where am I now? What's different? What's positive? And the reason for that is because we often think about the negative. We think about the consequence of not doing this task. When we're wired for urgency, we think about the consequence more than the payoff. So this is just a little exercise to kind of move you into that more of an abundant mindset versus scarcity mindset. And once you do that, then come back over to the near side and think about what are the specific resources that can help me to get to the other side? And in particular, thinking about people. Are there people that can help me make this happen. So I just got off the phone call with a client who's in the middle of writing a grant. And it's those of us with ADHD will we will like hitch other things to that activity, right? It's like, oh, this is a chance to, you know, 
make a name for myself. We start to associate different things that, that go with that, right? Or this is going to boost my own value and sense of self, give me meaning. And all of a sudden, this action's becoming kind of this bigger and bigger, right? We're assigning all this meaning and, and, and additional stuff to it, and then we can't even lift it up. But thinking about, oh, is there someone I could, you know, maybe write a little bit of the grant and then go and share and discuss, get some feedback. This iterated, iterated, iterative process. Easy for you is, to say. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Don't ask me to say it again right now. <laughs> iterative, iterative, iterative. Uh, iterative process of smaller completion steps. We see it in sort of a, it, this, and again, this is uniquely ADHD. But we see kind of this, it, it's this large task and it's very difficult for us to to look at the individual steps that are within that task or project. But articulating it is, again, in a part, translating to get the thoughts out of your head. And when they go to someone else or you journal it or whatever, bring it back, it can be very helpful. What is the environment that might be helpful to have this task be completed? Environments in the sense of, I know that I have clients who, when they're on an airplane, they, they call it airplane mode, right? Where they can, there's nothing else to do. There's no distraction. So they see, look at how can I duplicate airplane mode in my office or, or at home? They'll go to the library where there's limited distractions. What's a good environment that's going to be conducive to good rope bridge work? So, the sequencing is really important here. We tend, we, we, we tend to get drawn to the challenge, the obstacle. It's the biggest negative signal. So where's that? That's down in the abyss. We start there with the challenge that I need to overcome to get to the other side. But in this exercise, if you start with the other side, the outcome and the benefit of outcome, then come back over to the near side and the resources that are available to me. Then look at the challenge, the, the, what we need to cross. It can be an actual, a, a different experience. Yeah. And sometimes that challenge has more to it than we initially see until we're able to sort of step out of it. And as you said, look at it from the other side. So I had a client who came to me, as many do, for work-related challenges, and we made amazing progress on that front. But when we started to dig into home-related things, we struggled. She struggled. And we realized that home, for a number of reasons, was not currently a supportive environment, just overall. So coming home was sort of a sense of dread. And wanting to hide was a big part of the challenge for my client in activating for anything at home. So we talked about supportive environment. I brought that into the conversation. And she suddenly realized that she's got this beautiful room that she loves. It's a study that she loves the decor. She loves the way that it feels. She just loves this room. So even though home overall is not a supportive environment, there's this little sort of safe haven that still feels good. 
And so when she is transitioning from work to home, she now starts by spending time there and spending time there specifically on self-care. Because while we toyed around with the idea of bringing some of the tasks and work that she's looking to do at home into this space, it sort of tainted that space for her. Like, I don't, I don't want to bring that into this space. This is my restorative space. So right. for her, it was about shifting from a negative mentality to a positive one through this practice of self-care in this supportive environment. And then she is able to pick up and continue on with her evening. So with your client, you identified an important practice for transitioning. Yes. And so going back to time transitions and hyperfocus episode, we can take something like, you know, again, this challenge around transitioning that what she needed was a ritual, if you will, to kind of shed the crap of the day and, and come fully be fully present at home Yes. in this period. Right. So there's a best practice and guess what? These actions or these practices, you can convert them into resources. It's really fascinating sort of as you start to think about what a resource can be, it it can be really all-encompassing. And it's really up to you, the listener, to determine that habits, best practices, along with what we've discussed already. You know, what you just said, Shelly, just I think there's an episode here around I do a lot of work with clients where they've got a supportive high-performance team at work, but on the home front, they have something very different. And just the, the different aspects that, that go into that of people are scratching their head with, how can I be, have this sort of great team or great supportive environment at work? And at home, it's not there. Or it can be vice versa too. But I'm just thinking about the work that I do with Melissa Orlov around how ADHD can manifest in different environments. So I think there's an episode there around our kind of our our relationships and 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 the opportunities there. Absolutely. And it is such an interesting point because I've seen the same phenomenon with my clients where one area of life is going better than another. And a lot of our work there is distinguishing that why. And that's what I did with that client. We distinguished what's going on when you get home because work is sort of a supportive environment, but it's also a very stressful job. She's very drained by the end of the day. And she wanted some me time and she felt like she wasn't getting that. And she wanted to be able to shift out of a negative mindset because she found that she was coming home almost daily in a negative mindset. And she's not a negative person. She's not a pessimist by any stretch of the imagination. So she deeply disliked being in that negative perspective. So it was about how can we shift back and let go of this? And for her, that room and the practice, self-care practices that happen in that room are how she shifts. So as you said, it's more now than just a habit of when she comes home. It's a resource because that room is there anytime 
she feels that negativity creeping in as a resource and a way to shift away from that negative perspective back into her typical optimistic perspective. I, th- I, think, I think we're doing pretty good here. What do you think? Yeah, I think there's so much more here. There are so many resources that we haven't even scratched the surface on yet because resources are really infinite and they kind of depend on the individual client and what their situation is and what they have access to and what works for them based on their strengths and their modality preferences, right? There's so much at play there, but I definitely think there is so much room to come back to some of these big ones and dig in in more detail, you know, give some real solid examples of your work with supportive people at work, of both of our work with supportive environments and the many unique ways that that can manifest. And then as you said, sort of looking at the ADHD experience and how it's different in different environments and in different relationships. Yeah, and I'm, I'm reminded again, tying the resources back to the strengths conversation that we've had. Just in a couple conversations this week with my clients, there's this uh, often a downplaying of strengths, sort of like, well, doesn't everybody do it that way? Or, you know, well, that's really easy. Why, why would that be a strength if it's super easy? Like, it's, it's sort of like, it's almost dismissive. And I think if something's super easy, but it's also uh, people value, it's likely you're, that you're, you're, you're hitting on a strength there. It's something that people are wanting to hear. And it's sort of like, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal is that you've located your dominant hand and you've found a, a purpose for that dominant hand taking that strength and applying it in a specific context. That's, the, that's what Rosemary did. That's what Sally did. And that's what's available to you, listener. Yeah, what a, what a great note for us to wrap up today on. And I'm just going to add to that with an example. This podcast, a barrier for me in starting a podcast for a long time was, well, anybody could start a podcast and talk about this stuff. And there are other wonderful podcasts out there already talking about ADHD. So what's the point? Why? Who am I to think I have anything to say? And I still kind of have to fight that voice when we get the wonderful feedback that we have been getting of, well, that's no big deal because it is a big deal. It is a big deal. And we have both tapped into a strength. We're both better orators than we are writers. And we've talked about that off podcast at length. And if you don't believe us, just go look at each of our blog pages and see how inconsistently they are updated as of right now. But we found a strength here. And it's, it is. It's super easy to dismiss it. And I find myself doing it all the time. So take notice when people are noticing what you bring and try and quell that voice that wants to dismiss that as, oh, anybody could do it. Well, anybody could get on a microphone and talk about ADHD. Anybody could, really. But not anybody could do what Cam and I do. And not anybody can do what your strength is either, listener. So if you like what we're doing, oh, did you want to say something else before I wrap? I'm just saying, I'm just saying we're adding value. We're adding value. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And 
you know, learning to recognize that and accept that for yourself can sometimes be one of the hardest things to do. So if you like what we're doing here on the podcast, you can help us out by leaving a rating or review wherever you listen. If you have feedback to share or you just want to tell Cam and I how awesome you think we are based on our conversation around strengths, uh, you can hit us up on the website, translatingadhd.com and use the contact form or on Twitter at translatingadhd. Until next week, I'm Shelly. I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. Thank you.